Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of his glory to you. Our scripture reading this morning is going to be again from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is God's word. Well, good morning. My name is Vince. I'm one of the elders here. We are continuing in our study of the book of Ephesians. Um, we'll, We'll just continue with the spiritual blessings. We've worked week after week to see these unfolding, reading the same verses week after week after week, seeing the ways in which we have been, been been blessed in him, in Christ. We've been blessed in him, in Christ. All of what was just read is one long sentence where Paul is mentioning, talking about, proclaiming blessing after blessing after blessing. God has blessed us in Christ in choosing us to believe. God has blessed us in Christ by predestining us for uh, adoption as sons and daughters. God has blessed us in Christ in forgiving our sins, in redeeming us through the blood of Jesus. God has blessed us in Christ in revealing to us the mystery of Christ, the, that salvation in Christ alone. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing as we read week after week what Paul has written as his introduction. And the common theme to, to all of this is this. You don't deserve it. That's the, the thread that's running through it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of these blessings. God in his grace has lavished them on them, has poured out these blessings on us. It's grace. It's undeserved. It's undeserved. And so, so what's our response in this? 
What is our response? In reading through this, we've talked about this week after week for four weeks now. We've read through these 12 verses and intentionally we've read them to get us to see over and over and over again that these are blessings that are poured out on us undeserved. And as we read them again and again and again, our hearts have got to be moved toward the praise of God. And I would say this. I would say that, that if it's not our natural response, the natural response of our hearts, if, if it's not in that direction to praise God, then we've fallen into a belief that we actually deserve the grace of God. I think that's where we land. If we're not naturally inclined to praise God after reading through these blessings, then I would say we've fallen into a place where we expect that we deserve the grace of, of God. And so this morning I want to look at verses 11 and 12 at another spiritual blessing that God has given to those whom he has chosen, predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. And in fact, look at, at verse 11. This is what Paul says. Paul says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. We've obtained an inheritance. And and so I want us to look at at that as we consider all that that phrase has to say. This morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at that and see that all of uh, what all of that phrase has to say. And how does it start? Again, Paul says, in him. That's how it starts. In him, in Christ. Do you remember Paul's point in in writing to his friends in the Ephesian church? Do you remember what his point in in writing was? It wasn't to rebuke them about something. It wasn't to, to get at them because they were in sin. It wasn't to do these things. It was to remind them and encourage them about their position, about their standing with God. That's what he's writing about. Where, where's your standing with God? What is your position in God? Where are you positionally? How, how does God view you? That's what Paul is writing about. How does God view us as we now read it? The Ephesian Christians, and now we, as we read it, are, here, here's where it is, we are in him. We are in him. Our position, our standing with God is in Christ. Everything about our position, our position with God is found in Christ. Everything. In fact, Paul, Paul uses the same kind of language in Philippians chapter 3 where, where he says, Whatever gain I had, you, you may know these verses, Whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Do you see what Paul is saying in those verses? His overwhelming desire... His overwhelming desire is to to find his significance, to find his righteousness, to find his position in Christ. That's his overwhelming desire, not in anything else. And, and, And Paul could do it if he wanted. He could find his significance in a lot of places, but his overwhelming desire is to see his righteousness, his significance, his position in Christ. He, he doesn't want to be found in his own righteousness. He doesn't want to be identified as self-righteous. He wants to be identified in Christ. Everything else is garbage. Everything else is garbage to him. And so in Ephesians 1, Paul's point 11 times over 11 times over is to show that the identity of God's followers is not about the follower, but about Jesus. 
It's not about the follower. It's about Jesus. Remember the author, we, we talked about this several weeks ago, an author I read said that this letter is about identity formation. And it's not about your identity necessarily. It's about who you are in Christ. It's, a, it's about wrapping that all up. It's, this letter is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and the fact that our, our identity is in him alone. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. This is all about Jesus, not us. It's in him that we have everything. Specifically here, Paul says it's in him because of him that we have obtained an inheritance. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want us to look at the spiritual blessing of this inheritance obtained. I want us to see this. What is this inheritance? I want want us to talk through that. And then we're going to see in these just two verses and in other places in Scripture what this inheritance is and and a couple things. That this inheritance is undeserved. That this inheritance is God's plan. That this inheritance is widespread. That this inheritance is eternal. And that this inheritance is to the praise of God's glory. That's what we're going to walk through this morning. And I'm just letting you know that that's where we are headed. And so first, what is this inheritance? What is it? What is this that Paul is talking about in verse 11? The original wording is, is difficult to sort out. Some English translations have, have tried to get a good um, way of, of saying this. But literally, this word that's used here uh, takes us several words to, to use. It, it is, we have been allotted. That's the, the original wording is we have been allotted. And that doesn't help us much, does it? What's that mean? We have been uh, allotted. And so what, what uh, uh, translators have done is they've looked at then verse 14 and they see this word inheritance again. And look there, look at verse 14. Paul says the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And so we're, we're now seeing that there's some possession there whether it be physical or spiritual, whatever that is, we're acquiring something. There's this possession. And so we add to that, we have been allotted and we see that this, trans, uh, this inheritance then has been ours. We have obtained it. It, it's, it will be fully ours in the future when we acquire possession of it. We'll see next week. And so the English translators have tried to help us out and, and, and help us understand the literally, literal wording, we have been allotted by translating it, we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. So again, what is that inheritance? What is it? General, let's just go here. Let, let's be simple. All right, it's early. Generally speaking, what is an inheritance? We, we've all heard the word. We probably know what that is. But here, here's what it is. It's, 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 it's the practice of passing on property or money or or even privileged rights to someone typically someone in the family and and so the rightful recipient of this inheritance is called the heir the the heir is entitled then to receive the inheritance and so that that's what an inheritance is just generally speaking and so for instance in in our family in in our family um, kirsten and i my wife and i have five sons and this last week, we, we walked through what, what this means. I, I tried to explain what, what an inheritance is without getting too creepy about my own death. I tried to talk to them about what an inheritance is. And so we talked through that and I said, okay, so what would you guys want that's ours? And, and, and really the biggest, best thing that they could think of was the trampoline. 
All right. So, so that's what I'm passing on, right? So that, that's where we're, we're headed with that. It's something that I'm passing on. And so let, let's just be real for a second about our own family. We don't have a lot to pass on to them. That's just where we are. We don't have property that, that would serve our five boys well. We have an eighth of an acre divided by five. They get what, like hopscotch is what they get from that. Right? We don't have financial resources that, that we will pass on to them, but what we do have to pass on to them is six chickens. All right? And so here's what we have. Each of our boys get a chicken, and, and then they divide up one. Right? So they get some wings and, and some legs and, and a neck. And so we, we do that, and so our five sons are heirs to our chickens. Their inheritance is a chicken and a fifth. All right? It's on the menu um, at, at some restaurants. So a chicken and a fifth is what, what they get, right? And, and so we go on from that. What do we have to, to pass on? Last year I built a, a large table in our dining area. It's a large table. It seats 16 people. Um, most of that's taken up by us. Um, it, it's a large table and it's heavy, very, very, very heavy, um, weighing 300 pounds or so. so. So it's huge. All right. So, um, the thing, um, it, it may not leave our house or that, that house may burn down and the table will, will be standing, but it's left to our five boys to figure out what they're going to do with it. Right. So they may have to chop it up and, and get rid of it to get it out, but it, but it's theirs, right? That that's what we're passing on to them. So that makes sense. We, we have an inheritance that we're passing on to those in our, in our family line. We have five sons who will be heirs to our possessions and they will be heirs because, because they're our sons, because they're in our family, because they are a part of who we are. This kind of thing happens all the time. It's been a practice for a long time. Many uh, many of you ha- have inherited things from your parents or your, your grandparents. We get this idea of inheritance, right? We, we understand it. We know what that means. But what is the inheritance that Paul is talking about in Ephesians 1 verse 11? To figure this out, we have to look back at what we studied last week. Look back at the verses we covered last week. If you remember from last week, God has blessed us by giving us wisdom and insight... And he's blessed us by giving giving us wisdom and insight so that we would know the mystery of his will. And that mystery is part of the plan that God has set forth in Christ. And that mystery, uh, very simply speaking, is salvation. A, a, A people chosen by God, predestined by God, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, salvation. What is the inheritance that Paul's talking about? Simply speaking, it's salvation. Life in Christ. Life forever with Christ. So... We who are in Christ have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. What, what do we need to know then about this God-given inheritance? So, so that's where we're headed. Chapter 1, verse 11. The inheritance is undeserved. That's what we're going to see first. The inheritance in is undeserved. But, but isn't that the case with every inheritance? You don't do anything to deserve an inheritance. If it's true that the heir is typically the heir because they're in the family, they have, they have family connections, what did that person do to deserve to be a part of that family? Just think about it very um, biologically. What, what part did you play in your conception, in your birth? No, nothing. I'll answer that for you so your minds don't go too far with that. Nothing. 
right? You, you had nothing to do with that. You're a part of a family, and, and being a part of that family is not based on anything you've done, even if you were adopted, there's a gracious gift there in being adopted. Even if that's the case, you grew up in a family that was, was not your biological family. You were adopted, not based on anything you'd, you'd done. It's undeserved. So if you're a part of a family and you are the heir of an inheritance, you have done nothing, nothing to deserve it. That's why in verse 11, we see the wording, in him we have obtained, uh, obtained an inheritance. It doesn't say in me, I, I've worked hard and, and, and I deserve now this inheritance. It, it says in him we have obtained an inheritance. It's, it's passive on our part. It, it's, it's been dropped on us. It's been given to us. It's been granted to us. And, and isn't, that what, isn't, isn't that what we've, we've seen throughout these 14 verses of Ephesians? The first 14 verses of Ephesians, we are the passive recipients, chosen, predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. None of that's deserved. There's been, there's been nothing that we've done to woo God to us. None of that is deserved. None of that is owed to us. Do you remember the family language from a couple weeks ago? We've been adopted. Remember verse 5 tells us that he has predestined us for adoption. We have been adopted into a family we don't deserve. And because we're now a part of that family, we're heirs to an inheritance we don't deserve. James, in in the book of James, talks about this very thing. He says, in James chapter 2, he says, Listen, my beloved brothers. By the way, anytime someone says listen in the Bible... Good idea, all right? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? God has chosen those who are undeserving. He's done that. He's chosen those who are undeserving. This is the kind of God we have. Throughout the Bible, we see God choosing the weak, the poor, the small, the insignificant, the undeserving. That's how he works. The the inheritance is undeserved. We're undeserving heirs of a God-given inheritance because of Jesus, because we are God's son. We have been adopted as children into his family where we are now heirs of an undeserved possession and inheritance. It's undeserved. And as we'll see and have seen with all of these spiritual blessings, this should, or this must, this must lead us to praising God. That's got to. We should rejoice in that. We should rejoice. That should be the response. We're going to get to that in just a bit, but that should be, that should be our response. But as I was thinking about these spiritual blessings, as I've been working through these last several weeks, the only response that comes to mind is praise God. We've got to be praising God. But as I was thinking through it this week, um, uh, another point of application came to mind. One I think we probably all need to be challenged in a bit, myself included. One I think we need to be challenged in as we think about God's gracious hand toward those who are undeserving is this. And that is our own generosity. Or, maybe for you, our own lack of generosity. The idea that we have obtained an inheritance and that we will one day acquire full possession of it 
should compel us then to be generous people in all kinds of ways, shouldn't it? In Matthew chapter 10, we see Jesus sending out his disciples to carry out the mission that he's sent them into. He sends them out, and in verse 8, he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. He just fires these off, and then he says, You received without paying, give without pay. Now, do you see what Jesus is is encouraging his disciples to know and to believe here? He says, I'm sending you out. Uh, I'm sending you out. You're a part of my team. You're a part of my family. I've brought you into this. You didn't do anything. All you you were doing was fishing. And and I called you in to be a part of this. It wasn't anything you had done. Now I'm giving you power and ability to do things that that you don't have anything, a, a part in any of that. You don't deserve to have the power that I'm giving to you. So what's the, what's the response then? So give it away. So, so give it away. For those who have received eternal life and, and the blessing in Christ, shouldn't we be the most generous giving people in existence? Shouldn't we? I want you to think about that. Just internally, for for yourself, is is that where you land? Does that mark you as a person? Think about how you, let's just go, we're here, so let's just think about the church. Think about how you give to the church, to the vision and mission of the town church. Does, Does generosity mark you as someone involved here at the town church? Are you coming in on Sundays, you're, you're maybe hitting a township now and again for a free meal, but, but does it mark your life? That, that kind of, I have, I've been given something that I don't deserve in salvation. Salvation in Christ, and so I want to be marked by generosity. Now hear this very well, alright, so you don't walk out and tweet something I didn't say. I'm not at all saying, I'm not at all saying that we have received gracious and undeserved salvation from Jesus, therefore we have to give to the church. It's not what I'm saying. It's not that, that kind of debtor's ethic that I'm talking about. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying because you have been adopted into a family you don't deserve and because you are now a family member, a part of a, a family that you don't deserve and you're an heir to an inheritance you don't deserve, because of that, your desire should be to give generously. That should be your desire. The overflow of your heart should be to be a generous person. As a a church, we should have an abundance of financial resources ready to extend, to to follow through with the vision and mission that we believe God has called us to be a part of. We should have an abundance of resources to just say, what, there's a need? We got it. We we got it. Does that make sense? We, We have an inheritance, an inheritance we don't deserve, and because of that, we should be a people marked by generosity. And so let me just ask the question, are you, are you someone who is marked by generosity? When people think about you, do they think that they're doing everything they can, that person's doing everything they can to give away? Where can we grow in that? Okay, so what else do we see about this inheritance? First, it's undeserved. It's undeserved, and that that should compel us to do a a lot of things. Be generous as one of those. The inheritance is also then, secondly, God's plan. We we see this in verse 11. What are we told? Look at verse 11. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You can't read that and see that we have a part in that. 
That's God's plan all the way through. Very clearly, the inheritance is God's plan. We've obtained an inheritance we don't deserve, and that inheritance has been predestined, predetermined by God according to God's purpose. And God's purpose has always been worked out according to His will. This is tying, tying together everything we've already seen. God, before the foundation of the world, set in motion a predetermined plan. That predetermined plan was set according to his purposes and according to his will. This inheritance is God's plan. And God's plan, his purpose, his will has been established. It will not be stopped. That should be a comfort to us. That that plan will not be thwarted in any way. It wasn't our plan. It's his and his plan will stand. Let me, let me ask this question. How often do your plans change? Right? Name one thing in the last week that wasn't tweaked in some way. Everything we put on our calendar is changed in some way. We were going to go camping this week. We decided not to because there was a 90% chance of rain. And now guess what? No percent chance of rain. Right? What, what changes in, in our plans? Everything. What changes in the plans of God? Nothing. Nothing. What, what else do we see about this inheritance? We, we've seen that the inheritance is undeserved. It, it's God's plan. And third, the inheritance is widespread. Now, what do I mean by that? What, what do I mean by widespread? What do I mean that this inheritance is widespread? It's this. This inheritance is not just for a special ethnic group of people. It's not just a group of people that, that are of some race and some, some uh, tribe and, and, and that. Throughout the Bible, we see God giving freely to, to his chosen people, to the nation of Israel. That, that's how this started, to the children of Abraham, to the, the Jewish people. Those are the ones who have received an inheritance because they were his chosen children. Now, however, we realize that the chosen, predestined, adopted, adopted people of God are those who have been chosen, predestined, adopted, and now, we read this last week, and now redeemed and forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And in, in and through the blood of Jesus, the people of God are not just those who are chosen ethnically. Look at verse 12. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ... Hope in Christ. Hope in Christ. Do you see that? God's grace abounds through the predetermined plan and and purpose whereby he's working all things according to his will. And now Paul can say very clearly and very straightforward, we, we who were the first to hope in Christ, our salvation is in Christ. That's our hope. That's our hope. Our hope is no longer in being a chosen ethnic people of God, but in being a chosen people of God who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We'll get there next week. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but Paul continues in verse 13 a bit more specifically to show how, how that is, the, the all that he's talking about. Look at verse 13. He says, in him you also. Now he's changed it, hasn't he, from we? So Paul was saying, in, in him we, we, and, and who is Paul? He's a Jew, the Jew of all Jews. And now he's saying in verse 13, in, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, we're all included. This, this inheritance is widespread. To anyone God chooses, predestines, adopts, and now redeems through the blood of Jesus and forgives, the inheritance is widespread. It's widespread. That, again, we, we've talked about this before, but it, that should change the way we think about our efforts in evangelism. 
If God is now de- not determining the giving of his inheritance based on those who are deserving or, or not, uh, but based on his sovereign and gracious choosing, anyone who puts their hope in Christ for redemption and forgiveness is someone who has been chosen and predestined. Shouldn't that set us out on mission much like Jesus' disciples? Where Jesus says, you've received without paying, give without pay, go get them. Go talk to people. Go, go share the hope that you have in Christ. Shouldn't we then approach everyone we know ready to speak the truth of the gospel freely, knowing that, that it's been given to us freely? The inheritance we've received is undeserved. It's part of God's plan, and it's widespread. And so extend the offer of hope in Christ to all. What else do we see of this inheritance? The inheritance is undeserved. It's God's plan. It's widespread. The inheritance also is eternal. It's eternal. We, we've got to understand that if God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, he chose us in Christ in eternity past. I don't even know how to comprehend that. I don't even know where that begins. Right? I don't know how, how far back you have to look. He chose us in Christ in eternity past. In, in, before the foundation of the world, the inheritance we have in Christ is one that is then eternal. We have to see it going the other way as well. Peter sings the praises of God for sovereignly choosing and saving in 1 Peter chapter, uh, starting in in verse 3 of chapter 1. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, do you see what Peter is saying here? God has caused us to be born again. God has caused us to be born again, to be saved, to be redeemed, and that's all been according to his plan. He's caused us to be born again to what? To a living hope, the hope of Christ. He's caused us to be born again to an inheritance that is four things. And what are those four things? First, it's imperishable. It it doesn't expire. It's not milk. It, It doesn't sit on your shelf and rot. It's imperishable. Second, the inheritance is undefiled. It's good. It's legit. It's not stolen. It's not sketchy. It's not iffy. It's good. Third, the inheritance is unfading. It's not losing its worth. It's not losing its worth. Based on on the stock market or based on whatever it is at the whim of us, it's not losing its worth. It's stable. Fourth, the inheritance is, and this is maybe the most encouraging thing that we can read, it's kept in heaven for you. It's kept. It's protected. It's guarded by the God who gave it. This should be extremely encouraging to us, unlike a human inheritance that could crumble before we get it. Boys, the trampoline is going. It's fading. We've already gone through one net. It's going, it's fading, it crumbles before we get to it. It could lose its value, it could be burned up in a tragic fire, it could be stolen from us, it could be given to another family member because you said the wrong thing at a dinner. I've been reading through the book of of Numbers and there are, are laws in chapter... 27 that talk about how how to transfer the the inheritance from one person to the next depending on on what uncontrollable thing happens so if a a father dies the inheritance is then transferred to a brother but if he doesn't have any sons then it's transferred to a sister and, and on and on the inheritance that we have does not do that 
It's not transferred. It's not transferred. Unlike that inheritance, the inheritance we've been given, the salvation that has been freely offered to us will never perish, expire, be stolen, be lost, fade away, lose its worth or value. It's kept securely by God. Maybe you've heard the question, maybe you've asked the question, well, can I lose my salvation? And the answer is no, because it's not your salvation to lose, it's God's. It's God's. You're a chosen heir to something that cannot be taken away because God has a firm grip on it. Our hope and salvation is secure because it rests in the unfading, precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's hope, my friends. It doesn't matter if you feel that or not, right? You guys get there sometimes? I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm, I'm worthy of something like that. I don't feel like I, I should be chosen or redeemed. The truth is this. If you have been chosen by God, predestined for adoption by God, received from God, redemption through the blood of Jesus, you have an inheritance from God, part of which you're experiencing now in life with Christ, most of, most of which will you, you will experience in full when Jesus returns and you will live with Christ forever. For, forever. The inheritance is forever. It's eternal. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful blessing that's ours in Christ. We have obtained an inheritance. The inheritance we have obtained is undeserved. The inheritance we have uh, obtained is undeserved. It's been given freely. We are heirs because of God's grace. The inheritance is God's plan. His plan, it's according to his purpose and according to his will. The inheritance is widespread, given freely to anyone who has been chosen by God to believe, given freely to anyone who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The inheritance is eternal. It's never perishing. It's unfading. Those who hope in Christ have a hope that is secure forever. And as we have said every single week for four weeks running, what then is our response? What is our response? Praise. That's all it can be. The praise of God. Isn't that what verse 12 says? Those who have their hope in Christ are to be to the praise of his glory. The inheritance that is undeserved and eternal is ours, but that's not most about us. The inheritance that is ours is not most about us. It's about his praise and his glory. And so when we talk about receiving or uh, obtaining an earthly inheritance, we don't often think about, do we? We don't often think about the person who is passing it on. No, I got six chickens out of this deal. We're we're thinking about ourselves. When we think about what we, we, we get This is not the case with the inheritance that we have obtained from God. Yeah, it's a spiritual blessing, so we reap the benefits. But but it's one that must draw our eyes to Jesus. In him, we have been purchased by his blood. In him, we have been redeemed. In him, we have been forgiven. In him, we have been chosen. In him, we have been predestined for adoption. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. And it's all to the praise of his glory. It's not most about us. We've talked about this over and over again. Every week we're being pointed to the praise of him, Jesus, our Savior. And so again this morning, that's what we're going to do. Uh, Again this morning, we're going to spend some time praising and worshiping Jesus, pointing the glory to him. Now I get it. Uh, Just like I said earlier, there are times when we don't feel that. 
We don't feel it. We don't, we don't sense that we deserve that. Or we, we just feel dirty in, in some way. But we're looking at this and we're, we're seeing that Paul is saying to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And so that's what we are going to do this morning. We're going to praise Jesus. We're going to worship Jesus. And, and, and so to start in that direction, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to celebrate communion together just like we do every week. And celebrate the finished work of Jesus on the cross. The, the work has been finished. We have been adopted as children because of God's Son. We've been adopted as sons because of the Son. We've been adopted as daughters because of God's Son. And so, so this morning we're going to celebrate Jesus and, and what, what He has done to accomplish accomplish salvation for us. Accomplish that inheritance for us. We're going to gather around these tables like we do every week and and celebrate a meal, a meal of remembrance, looking back at what Jesus has done that has effects into the future and into eternity. And so this morning we gather around these tables where we celebrate Jesus, a meal that he instituted where he broke bread with his friends. He shared wine with his friends, a very intimate setting where he gathered with his disciples and he, he said... He said, this is my body, and he breaks bread, showing them this picture. This is my body broken for you. And he shares wine, and he points them to this picture. He says, this is my blood shed for you. The the body broken, the blood shed is a picture of what was about to happen. And and, and for us, it's a picture of what has happened. We look back at and we remember Jesus. And Jesus says to his friends, and he says to us, as often as you eat and as often as you drink, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to look back at the finished work of Jesus and worship. If you're here this morning as a believer, one who would call yourself a a believer, then we would encourage you to to join in this meal. We're going to sing some songs together, praising Jesus, reflecting on on what we have just talked about. We're going to sing a song that that points us to, to these truths that were hidden in Him that we're saved from wrath in Him, that we're washed clean in Him, in Jesus. We're going to sing some songs together talking about how we have been made alive, how we have been bought back, thinking about last week, the, the redemption. We're going to be singing songs about that. And if you're a believer this morning, this is a time of celebration. So we'd ask that you'd stand and, and come down and take the bread and dip it in the wine and then head back to your seats with, with the others who need Jesus and celebrate this. If you're here this morning and you would say, I, I don't know that that's me. I, I'm not a believer. I, I wouldn't call myself one. I'm here with a friend or I'm here thinking about these things, investigating some of these things. We're glad you're here. We want to keep talking to you about this, but we want you to know very clearly that this is all about Jesus. It's not about filling these pews, although we would love to see these pews filled with more worshipers of Jesus This is about Jesus. We are here for Jesus. But this meal that we're celebrating together is for those who put their hope and their trust in Jesus. We have a hope in Christ. And so we celebrate that. So I want to pray for us. And then we are going to sing together. We are going to rejoice in who Jesus is for us. And we're going to be together in this. So let me pray. Father, you are our Father. You are a God who loves us. You love us in in ways that we'll never comprehend. You love us in, in ways that we'll never understand. One of those ways is that you have poured out, lavished grace on us. You have given us things we do not deserve. 
God, we don't deserve to be chosen. There's nothing we've done in that. God, we don't deserve to be predestined for adoption. There's nothing we've done there. In fact, we've done a lot to go against that. God, there's nothing that we have done to deserve the shedding of the precious blood of your Son to redeem us, to set us free from captivity. There's nothing we have done to deserve that. There's nothing we have done to deserve an inheritance that will never fade away, that is kept in heaven safe by you. There's nothing we have done to deserve that. But Father, you have poured those things out on us. And we're thankful. What we deserve is the pouring out of your wrath on us. But instead, you have poured out grace and favor on us. So we're thankful this morning, in our, and, and I pray that you would move our hearts to praise and worship you because of that. God, if there are people in this room right now who are not in that place of, of following you, but have a desire to, I pray that you would continue to work on hearts. You'd work on hearts to see these truths so clearly that they have no other response than to turn to you. Would you do that, God? Would you be pleased to add worshipers to the number of those who are worshiping you in spirit and truth? That's a work that you do. It's undeserved by anyone in this room. And so do it, we pray, and then set our hearts to rejoicing in you to the praise of your glory. Amen.